Welcome tonight to Life Shape, our Life Shape Prayer and Discipleship Group. We here, we've just finished praying. We've been seeking God as we have encouraged you to do. Seeking God in five different areas of our, of our responsibility, our individual life, our families, our church, our community, and our nation. We encourage you to do the same thing. I hope you have the materials. If you have not, then uh, please, uh, uh, you know, you can contact us. You can download them on the internet at ifmypeoplewill.com and uh, follow along with us. Also, you can get a copy of it on ezsermons, ezsermons.com. And uh, you'll also be able to watch this uh, and, uh, you know, send the link to some of your uh, friends if you like. But uh, our individual lives, our families, our church, our communities, and our nation. It's our responsibility. We're praying according to 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people, uh, you know, by the time we get finished with this, you know, we're all going to know this scripture, right? If my people, I mean, if this is the only scripture you ever memorize other than John three 16, you'll have this one down. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their lands. You know, God will do that. Consider your land, whatever portion, you know, is necessary in those five arenas of your responsibility, because God will certainly hear you. He will certainly forgive and he will certainly heal. Tonight, we're in life block number four. Now, let me, let me just tell you what our attempt is. It's very difficult for me to just stick to this one topic. It's going to be each week for the rest of the year because I want to tell the end. I want to get to the finish. But yet, God has, uh, has given us a challenge to put one block each week, one block, one thing that every believer should know and be grounded in. So one central truth of the gospel each week we're adding to our, our life. We started out, of course, with God, that there's only one God. Uh, God is not afraid, as I said. He's not afraid of you making a choice who you're going to serve. In fact, he wants you to make a choice. He said he would rather you be hot or cold. So that's what Joshua said. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, if you want to serve Baal, he said, go for it. He said, if you would like to serve gods on the other side of the river, the gods of your ancestors, you, you, you go for it. But as for me and my house, we are convinced that there is one God. Now, uh, I like that about Joshua. He was unafraid to stand up and boldly declare, make a choice today. And that's what we challenge you to do, to make a choice to serve this one God, Jehovah. He is Lord of all, creator of heaven and earth. We talked about creation, how that God made the heaven and the earth and everything that we see from things which are not. We need to believe that. If we believe anything else, then we are not believers because the definition of a believer is someone who believes and if you're going to believe God we cannot just go through our Bible and tear out one page or mark out one scripture or another to believe God means that we believe him if at any point we disbelieve him then we cannot be classically uh, called we not be called a believer we aren't believers so it's very important that we believe God's account God, you know, you know what history is? It's nothing more than his story. His story. God is the author and the finisher of history. And we also talked about the fact that God does not tell us the whole 
uh, account. He never meant to. He never meant to tell us every facet of everything. Even though God, God's word does not contain all truth. And I know that sent some of you reeling when I said that. God's word does not contain all truth. But everything in God's word is true. What I mean by that, God's word does not contain all truth, is that God's word does not tell you how to change a diaper or how often to change a diaper. Okay? God never intended to tell you every little thing. He gave you a brain, and he was hoping that you would figure some things out. But he was certainly hoping that you did not start believing your brain over him. That you did not start believing your imagination. Uh, you know, archaeologists, anthropologists, uh, 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 you know, paleontologists, and all those other ologists. Okay? Where they agree with God, they're on solid ground. And where they don't, they aren't. They're just wrong. Just figure it the best. But believe God. He created everything from things which we would understand do not exist. I know that runs afoul of, of you know, some laws of physics. But the fact of the matter is it's true. And I believe it. Okay? Last week we talked about man. Block number three was that God made man. What we came away from, hopefully, were the important points that you are made like God. God, Genesis 2-7 says, he breathed into our nostrils the breath of life. After that, he had made our bodies out of clay. And then we became a living soul. We are spirit, soul, and body. We are one person, but we are a triune person. We are three parts, but one person. We are made like God. God is a triune God. A, a, you know, uh, in other words, we believe in the Trinity, uh, in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but only one God. You might say, how in the world? Well, hopefully you will understand more and more. But God does not tell us everything. He didn't intend to tell us everything. He did not tell us how Mary, how Mary's parents felt about her getting pregnant, you know, and having Jesus. You might say, hold on a second. Did Mary even have parents? Exactly. We don't know. We don't know anything about them. Why? God didn't choose to tell us. He did not tell us everything, but everything he tells us is true. Bank on it. Okay. That's the truth. Well, tonight, we're covering the next logical step in our progression of what we need to believe. And tonight, we're covering block four, sin and separation. Sin and separation. Uh, now, this lesson is basically going to teach us one principle. It's going to teach us the principle that sin separates. That's what sin does. We'll learn a lot about sin. But we're going to learn tonight that sin separates, okay? We're going to be going to Genesis chapter 3 to begin tonight. Verse number 1, we'll read verses number 1 through verse 8. And then we'll put the story together in light of how it impacts us today. Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman... Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of the tree, of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat 
of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Verse 4, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. You see, what began as a subtle seed, just a seed, reconsider what God said. Did God really say that? Now has become an accusation against God that he really did not mean what he said. First, he wanted to know if the woman knew what he said. Then he wanted to tell her, well, that's not really true. Okay? What is he sowing? He's sowing a seed of separation. He's sowing a seed of attempting to get Eve to separate herself for a moment, to step back for a moment from God and to evaluate God by her own intellect. Okay? Verse 4 again, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Verse 5, For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. Oh my goodness, he's gone now to putting words into God's mouth, speaking for God. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the woman saw. You notice here that the serpent left her. He's no longer in the picture. Now the woman is left to think on her own, to imagine on her own. So the woman, she saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree desirable to make one wise. And she took of its fruit and ate. And she gave it also to her stupid husband. <laughs> no, wait, it doesn't say that. She also gave it to her husband with her. And he ate. Wow. You know, left in her moment, the seed was sown. A seed of separation was sown in her life, in her mind. It was reinforced with an accusation. And then, it was as though she was hearing the real story. The word of the Lord through the mouth of the serpent. God knows. You know, it sounds like truth, doesn't it? Someone declares what they are telling you is truth. Here Eve stepped back and separated herself from God for a moment so that she could consider on her own. Then she partook of this forbidden fruit. She gave it to her husband and he ate. The Bible says in verse 7, notice what immediately happens. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. The very first thing that happened when sin came into the picture was separation. 
It was the first time Adam and Eve ever separated themselves from one another. It was the first time they covered themselves and hid themselves from one another. It was the first time they stepped back from one another and did not want the other one to see them as they were. Sin separates. Verse number eight. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Well, here's what the story reveals. The story reveals that Adam and Eve walked with God in the midst of the Garden of Eden. They were enjoying a very close and open relationship with one another and a close and open relationship with God up until the day that Eve was tempted with a seed of separation. The devil asked her a subtle question. He reinforced it with an accusation, and then he told her what he believed was true. It's the same pattern that we have seen throughout ever since. A subtle conversation, a seed of separation, an, a, a, a request to reconsider or rethink something that we know God said. And separating ourselves for a moment, stepping back to reconsider, and then having the reinforcement, then having something told to you that someone else believes is true. And then in Eve's imagination, this question being considered, in her own imagination, she imagined how good it would be, how pleasant it would be. She imagined that, 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 that this would be good and pleasurable, and so she began to desire this. It's a process which sin takes root as a seed sown in our life, a seed of separation, taking root and growing up, getting reinforced along the way, and then someone else confirming what you imagine and telling you that this is the truth and this is what you should do and this is, you know, after all, this is right from their perspective, not from God's perspective. To the point to where Eve began to desire something that she should never have wanted. She imagined in her mind and worked a scenario and fell prey to her own desires. Then, of course, she partook. She made the decision, and sin was born. And along with sin came separation. The very first thing, as I said a moment ago, was that Adam and Eve separated from one another. Sin will separate you from other people. Then God came looking for them, and they hid themselves, separated from God. Separated from others, separated from God. If you continue to read the story, you will come to the point in just a moment where God makes them leave the Garden of Eden. They were separated from all of God's provision, all of God's blessing, and all of God's will that He intended. They were separated from the plan of God now. They lost the relationship they had with one another. They lost the relationship they had with God. It wasn't that they didn't love one another, care for one another, work together. They lost something in the sin. 
It was not that God did not love them and care about them. It was not that they did not love God, but they lost something in the sin. It was not that God did not have a plan and have a will and a purpose for them, but they lost what God had planned for them and the purpose he had and the blessings he had prepared. They lost that in the sin. You see, sin separates. But one greater thing that they lost in this sin is that they were separated from the eternal life, from the eternity. They were separated from an eternity with God. They were separated. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, were separated from God eternally. Sin separates. Seeds of separation are sown. And sin, once it conceives, and once we decide upon it and embrace it, it will separate. Today, sin still holds this power. Today we see the power of separation broken down into two major areas. That sin holds a power to separate in two ways. First, the first power of sin is the power to separate you from God forever. It is the power to damn a soul to hell. Sin has and does exercise daily the power to condemn a soul to eternity without God in hell. The second power that sin has is the power to separate individuals from the plan and the purpose and the provision of God on planet earth. One power is the power to separate you eternally from God. The other power is the power to separate you from the blessings of God on this earth. But make no mistake, sin separates. It has but one desire, to separate you from God, to separate you from others, to separate you from God's provision, His promise, His plan, His purpose for your life, to separate you eternally from God's presence. That's what sin wants to do. Tonight, allow me to cover these five important points because I want you to leave tonight having rehearsed this at least once, okay? The first point that I want to make sure we understand about sin is that sin separates. That's its great desire. It desires, again, to separate you from God, from others, from from blessings in this life, and from God eternally. The next thing we need to learn about sin is that sin will take you farther than you expected to go. 
Eve never intended for, for her actions to take her as far as her actions took her. She never intended for all of her descendants to fall under the curse of her actions. She never intended for sin to take her as far as it did. You see, your intention and your heart and the fact that you love God and the fact that you don't mean bad for you and your family will still not cover sin. Sin will take you farther than you expected to go. Number three, sin will keep you longer than you wanted to stay. Sin will take you farther than you expected to go. It will keep you longer than you wanted to stay. Sin is a cord that once it wraps its tentacles around you, it begins to exercise control and dominion over your life. It begins to dictate to you what you will do and will not do, what you can say and cannot say, what you, you know, uh, are able to do and able not to do. Sin will hold you captive. Sin will hold your soul captive for eternity if it can possibly do so. But if not, it will do its best to hold you captive in this life for all of your life. Sin will take you farther than you expected to go. It will keep you longer than you wanted to stay. And number four, sin will cost you more than you're able to pay. Sin cost. Sin has a price. And sin's price must be paid. Who will pay that price is the question. You will exist forever. Where is the question? Sin will exact a price and it will be more than you can pay. It will be more than you are able to pay even with your eternity. Sin's debt will not be satisfied. The price must be be paid and you cannot afford it if you lived a billion years and said a trillion Hail Marys and gave your firstborn what the prophet said Lord would you accept a thousand rams are 10,000 rivers of oil? Should I give my firstborn for my transgression? Should I give the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And the resounding answer is no! That is not God's will, nor will that pay the price. You see, sin separates. And sin will take you farther than you expected to go. It will keep you longer than you wanted to stay and sin will cost you more than you are able to pay. Point number five is a verse from Romans chapter 3, verse 23. 
For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone has sinned. What can you expect from that? It will separate you. It will take you farther than you expected to go. It will keep you longer than you wanted to stay. And it will cost you more than you are able to pay. And you have sinned. That's where every person finds themselves. In a place to where there is nothing they can do to satisfy their debt to God. If it were possible for you to pay for your sins, God would have made it so. But if you spent eternity in hell, the debt would still be owed. You have sinned. How do you know that you're saved? How do you know if you died, you'd go to heaven? I'm going to pray a prayer with you. If you'll sincerely pray this prayer with me, mean it from your heart, you will be saved. And you'll know that if you died, you'd go to heaven. Pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I realize that I have sinned against you, but I am willing to repent. I choose to repent, to turn away from being a sinner. And right this moment, I open the door of my heart and I take you, Lord Jesus, into my heart to be my Lord and my Savior. I give my life to you. Fill me, Lord Jesus, with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for coming into my heart. Thank you for saving me. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, it's very important that you contact us because we have some information to help you get started in your Christian life. I would like to write a letter to you so that you can know how to win your friends and your family to Christ. And then we'll send you other information to help you get started. So here it is. Remember, realize that you've sinned against God, choose to repent, and receive Jesus into your life. Jesus said, Him that cometh to me, or her that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. So if you come to Him, He will not cast you out. You can know Him and know that you're saved, and know if you died, you'd go to heaven. And then share that with others. It's so important that we be witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. So call us or email us. Please let us have contact with you so that we'll be able to help you along the way in your Christian life. Find a good Bible-believing, praising, worshiping church and join that church so you'll have a pastor to help you as you go along in your Christian life. God bless you. I believe that God is going to do great things in your life.